Hello and welcome to Cashflow Candy, episode number 13. This is Annette Lakovich and today we're going to be talking to Marina Pasolaris. Marina is a speaker, a presenter, she's a teenage girl, educator, um, author of The Beautiful Minds and uh, has such an incredible journey that she's going to be sharing with you as a female entrepreneur. This interview is um, such a heartfelt one and I just loved that Marina just stripped down all the barriers and just opened up her heart. So if you're a business that is looking at creating a really strong movement out there, you want sponsorship and you're there to play big, uh, this is an interview to listen to just to really tap into the mindset of Marina Pasolaris. Now, Marina describes herself as the bridge between parents and their daughters. She works really closely with teenage girls, helping them with not just the, the external, but more importantly, the self-esteem and the confidence. She shares such incredible information um, and has this movement that is not just happening nationally, but her goal is to take it international. She has formed the most magnificent alliances with Girlfriend Magazine, with a massive brand, an international brand um, that you're going to be blown away about when you actually hear that. I don't want to share too much because uh, you won't need to listen to the interview. So uh, without further ado, let me introduce you to Marina Pasolaris from Beautiful Minds. This is Annette Lakovich and you're listening to Cashflow Candy. Join me while I interview successful entrepreneurs, business specialists, and share the ultimate information, helping you increase your sales, doing what you love. So let's start making some candy for your business. Hi, everybody. It is Annette Lakovich, and today we have Marina, who I had the absolute pleasure of sharing the stage with Marina at a couple of Girl Power events. So Marina, welcome to the Cash Co Candy Show. It's so divine to be on your show, by the way. And I must just say, I love the name. Love, love the name of it. I think it's fabulous. And names are very, they're very interesting how you actually come up with them, aren't they? Oh, look. And uh, that's so important. I love hearing the stories of how people come up with their business names because often, particularly with women, there's always um, an emotional story or, a, you know, there's always something to it, which is great. Mm, yeah. Cashflow Candy, um, it was quite inter- interesting because I wanted something to do with business and how do we get cash flow in. And it's not just through, you know, doing sales and marketing. It's also through the mind. And that's why it's quite important to have you actually on today. Um, but, yeah, it was really quite interesting. I just loved the name Candy because I thought, well, Candy's really addictive and it's you know sugar sugar's like you get your sugar hit so um I was trying to get something with that word candy in it um and that's where cash flow candy sort of came along so Marina where are you today you you're in Sydney I'm in Sydney I'm in the office in Rose Bay and uh yeah love love, you I've literally you know I've only been in Sydney for three years and I still wake up every morning and just think how blessed I am to be here love it beautiful so can you share with everyone about Beautiful Minds what it actually is Beautiful Minds is an educational uh company set up for teenage girls aged between 11 and 17 so we focus very heavily on self-esteem and confidence and educating girls on vital life skills that we don't often find the schools are covering Mm, yeah how did the business idea come about like this is something that when um i was i heard you actually launch launch about the girlfriend event which we'll talk about later um but i just thought gosh we needed something like this when i was at school so how did the idea come about 
I think it, you know, it had been something I'd wanted to do for years. I worked in the modeling industry for, you know, I worked in some of the top modeling agencies for about 14 years. And although I love the industry, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, my job was, was to train the models up and to get them ready for clients. Um, one of the biggest things that I felt was happening was I had a lot of really gorgeous 14, 15-year-old models coming in. Um, and because I was still quite young when I was in that industry, they were sort of seeing me as a bit of a mentor for them. Mm-hmm. And they were coming to me with issues from, you know, taking drugs to sleeping with their boyfriends to um, being sexually um, abused or, or harassed when they went to castings with photographers and casting agents. Wow. And there were some really, really big issues there. And for many years, I kind of shouldered all this, this responsibility of what they were going through. And I got to a point where I thought, why are we not educating girls at a young stage? Why are we doing a bit of a Band-Aid effect when they're in their late, you know, late 20s or when they're, when they're women and then sort of helping them there by sending them off to psychologists. Why don't we educate them at a very young age so that they're mm. stronger individuals from the, from, a, from the get-go? Wow. What a situation that you'll put in to be able to, um, one, have the, the girls have so much trust in you to actually share that information because that's that's really personal stuff from um, drugs to sleeping with guys to, you know, sexual assault. That's like that's some pretty heavy um, energy for you to actually accept and be able to, to handle. Um, and so when was it that you actually thought this should be um, a, a, a business idea? Like when was actually the jump? Because obviously... This was years ago when you're actually taking on board all this information from these girls. But when was the idea where it sort of popped and you thought, this is what I need to do or this is a message or a movement I need to create? Because it's a movement you're creating, you would, you would agree? That's a movement, That's, yeah. So when did the idea pop? I think, you know, I, I realised fairly early on that young girls were not sharing this information and their their pain, so to speak, with their parents. Mm. And a lot of them mm. had great have great support systems but yet they were talking to a, you know almost a complete stranger about what they were going through and it took me probably about three or four years of of um you know coming into contact with these young girls and I actually finally went to the modeling agency owner who I got on really well with and I said to her wouldn't it be cool if we could have a program for girls aside from all the catwalk and the makeup classes and all the external stuff but let's focus on what's going on internally for these girls and give them some really sound support and uh, she looked at me and she said to me I think that's the most stupid idea <gasps> you you know you've you brought to the table in, the, in all the years that you've been working here oh. and so we had the conversation on Thursday and by the Monday I quit I was out of there I was out of there because it, it really, for me, it, it was so clear to me that I was in an industry um, that wasn't supporting young girls. They were just literally almost throwing them out there like, you know, props mm. to, to um, you know, casting directors and, and photographers. And, um, and I'd had this vision for such a long time that I wanted to do it. But I think in life when you're faced with very much of an end-of-the-road situation, you either, you know, you know, grin and bear it, which most people do, and they land up going into a job every day that they hate or that doesn't resonate for them, or you just take the jump. And I just took the jump, and that was nine years ago, and it's just grown into something really spectacular. So it's it's it was good. I, I listened to my gut, you know. I went with what mm-hmm. I felt. And um, 
Gosh, that is such an incredible story because, like you're saying, you could have then just sat there and just sort of got embarrassed for speaking out and speaking about how you feel and seeing this vision and seeing what they need um, and just continue to go along and pretty much be a sheep um, or stand for something that is just um, that you knew it, it, that that's that's huge to actually happen. How old were you when that actually happened? When that 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 moment happened in that meeting? I was twenty five. Um, twenty yeah, twenty five, twenty six, and you know I was terrified because I just bought my first home. Um, I didn't have any financial backup to start a business. Mm. But mm-hmm. I think if you make the decision, it really frustrates me when people say I don't have money to do something because you just make the decision and you work it out. Mm. And decision mm. means that decisions like it's it's cut off from I cut off from everything and it's just one hundred percent focus and clarity. So what was the first thing like you did to get the business going? Like I know many people, um, you know, work on either their logo or the website or some people go out and test the market. Like what was the, the steps that you took to sort of make it sort of the seed stage before it actually grew into a business? Well, do you know what's hysterical? I, um, <laughs> I'm an all or nothing kind of person. There, there is no grey area with me. So I took the story to the Brisbane Courier-Mail I had a contact there. Um, It's one of the biggest newspaper publications in Australia. Um, And I sat down with a girlfriend who was working there at the time and I said, I want a story and I want a huge story about that this business has just launched. And, I mean, Annette, I had no business. I had no logo. (laughs) I had nothing. And this huge story came out Queensland-wide that this business had launched and that was it. That was I pretty love nice. it. I that was- love it. Do you know why I love it? Because I've actually just put in a newsletter out today and the newsletter is um, I have a, a new client and I was just working with her last week and I said, okay, great, so what have you been working on the past couple of months? And she said, these are the four things I've been focused on. It was mm-hmm. her logo, mm-hmm. um, her website, her email sign-off and um, her garment range because she's a fashion designer. And, oh, sorry, her, her business card, not her website, sorry. So it was her logo, her business card, her email sign-off and um, her garment range. And the most focus in that is two months, you think it would be maybe the garments, <laughs> was actually the logo and her business card and they were causing her the most stress. And I just taught her that 80% of the work that she can do in her business will only equate to 20% of the results and results being success, income, affect the impact. And 20% of the activities that she'll do will equate to 80% of the financial income, the success or the impact and the result. And I said to her, the business card is so insignificant and you feel like you need it because it gives you exactly that. It feels like it gives you significance. But what happens when a person gets a business card? They might hang on to it for a day or they'll put it in their wallet and then when it's time to clean out the wallet or their handbag, out it goes in the bin. Um, And it's really about getting uh, startup entrepreneurs to understand that the, you don't need anything except for the skill to get out there and make it happen and start the conversations. And as soon as you start the conversations, it then makes you more dedicated than ever because what's happened with you is you had that message, you got out there, and because suddenly there was external 
um, activities happening, it make you commit like never before. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, look, I committed to dates. I, you know, in the article, it said Beautiful Minds launches their first courses in Noosa, Gold Coast, and all these dates were there. <laughs> so, I mean, come hell or high waters, the next thing I had to find educators and I had to pull the whole thing together. But, you know, going back to your earlier point, I've been in business for nine years with Beautiful Minds and I'm only now getting a business. I've never owned a business card for Beautiful Minds. I'm only now creating one just because... We go into offices with Sony and Fujifilm and all our big sponsors. Mm -hmm. We're dealing with corporates. It's something corporates seem to like. But I've never had a business card for Beautiful Minds. I'm my my business card. Mm, It's so interesting, isn't it? Tell me about the hardest start. So you've been you've been doing this for nine years, and we know what startups like. It is it's it's hard. (laughs) It's hard and it's exciting at the same time. What's what's been the hardest part for you? Um, and let's go two ways. Let's go. What's what's been the hardest part of your journey today emotionally? And then let's go into the the logistical things as well. So we'll start with emotionally. I think um, you know when you start your own business and you are on your own to start off with, and you're not collaborating, collaborating or doing joint ventures with other people. It can be incredibly lonely and you can feel very isolated from the world because you're sitting in a very small space trying to make stuff happen. So you can feel very uninspired mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you don't have anyone to turn to to sort of nut out ideas or, or you know, get excited about or, or talk through things with. So I think emotionally that there's, you know, been a lot of loneliness for me um, over the nine years with setting it up from that point of view, but also, you know, incredible amount of, of joy. Um, and I think my advice for, for people that are going down the path is just to grab some really great mentors, work with coaches, have a team around you. That's so vital. And if I knew that now, I would have had a much, much, much easier journey. Yeah. And you know, um, can I just touch on that? Um, you actually just brought back a memory um, of mine. And it was when I took the jump from I was teaching um, corporates and sales and um, when I took that step away and created an online business, I was stripped from any <laughs> communication. So here I am, you know, travelling. I was training uh, 66 companies in uh, every quarter. So I was travelling a lot and I went from that to being in a bedroom um, selling gifts online. <laughs> And the feeling of loneliness, and I could only um, now, if I was to label it, which I don't really love labeling things, um, but it would would have come under depression uh, the first six months because it was so, it was so lonely um, and you don't have anybody to um, turn to and to to help you because in startup it's you're scared of spending the money because you feel like you need it all for your business however now I know the best place you can spend it is on mentors and programs because you've got that community of support but you also get um, it stops you from making those <laughs> terrible financial mistakes that are so bruising to the ego and um, you know that I add rap into 
a lot of my presentations. <laughs> and thank you. And, and one of the songs I did was a very emotional song. And it was because when I um, realized that the online gift shop really wasn't for me, it was a logical idea, not an emotional idea. And I really work with um, making emotional decisions um, in business, have to feel, have to have that heart in it. And um, when I went back into really helping people with money, but it was like, who do I love to help most? It was women, women in business. And those first years of doing that, I started to take on all their challenges and what you were saying, that loneliness and not feeling like they've got anyone to turn to or um, when they're going through those challenges, the financial challenges or just trying to get their business out there and doing the hard yards. That's where a lot of my music was inspired from. And there's actually a song that I actually have. And the words are, full of fear, sometimes I cry. Feels like there's a part of me dying inside. I had a vision, but where did it go? When it gets hard, nobody knows. The loneliness I feel, I feel so all alone in this entrepreneurial world is so hard on its own. Day after day, I'm locked in the house wondering if I'll ever get out. And that was me. So I I was so inspired by those women. I thought, right, I'm going to get back into that mindset of when I took that jump. <laughs> and it was such an emotional song. It's actually my favourite rhyme today. So thank you so much for sharing that because it helps whoever's listening now that is on that journey. And maybe they're at the top. You know that it's lonely, even if you've got a team of staff, that if you don't have your own mentor, it's still lonely because you're the one that's holding the decisions. So thank you for being so raw and honest with that. No, look, and I think I think it's important. That's the thing. If you've got that team, you've got other people sharing with you their experiences, so you don't feel so desperate on those bad days. That's mm. that's the key. So, what about logistics? What's been the hardest thing to build this, to build the movement, to get it out there? Well, look, you know, I think I think when I first started was the hardest because I I didn't have I didn't have any money, and it goes back to my point where when people say they don't have money to do what they want to do, that that's rubbish because I was you know I was in my my late twenties, I just bought my first home, I had no financial support. Um, I just left a job, you know, not thinking that I was going to to quit as, as quickly as I did. So I didn't have a buffer, mm-hmm. and um, and I wanted, I want, I had this dream, and I, I sat with it, and I thought, how am I going to make this work? I've got to feed myself. So when I first started, for two years, I actually worked in a yogurt factory, oh, and I up. Oh, it's it's it almost it honestly almost killed me. I'd get up at three o'clock in the morning every morning, Monday to Friday. And I'd go into this freezing cold yogurt factory and I would manually pipe yogurt from 4 a.m. until 8 a.m. every single morning. And then I'd get in the car and I'd fly back to my house, which is obviously where the office was, and I would shower at the desk from 9 until 5 so that I could pretend, you know, I was in the office doing my thing. And it was exhausting. And and I think that the sad thing is, is that because I was so embarrassed that I had to have a second job to get this off the floor, I didn't tell anyone. So for two years, I was very, um, didn't share it with friends. I didn't have a boyfriend because I was just so tired. I could hardly see straight. But the thing is, 
I don't care if people sell toilet rolls on the side of the street. Mm-hmm. You know, do it within your um, obviously with respecting yourself and with your your moral you know boundaries. Um, do something that ethically is is good. But it doesn't matter if you have two or three jobs to bring in money whilst you are focusing on your dream. Yeah, so true. Um, I actually was in a bread factory. Are you serious? <laughs> putting bread on cardboard and this was when I went to take the entrepreneurial jump and um, I was still balancing a few of the clients so there's 66 clients I still kept a few but um, I needed I needed cash so I actually did a bread factory and I was doing like night shift so that's so incredible (laughs) once again we've got something in common (laughs) and but you do what it takes do you know what I mean it's no excuses yeah. Do you do what it takes? And also there's this whole, you know, society has kind of made us up that, you know, we've got to have this, um, you know, if you're going into business, you should look a certain way. You should have this sort of thing about you. People are far more drawn towards people that are chasing a dream and, you know, sweeping floors at night or, you know, doing doing two or three jobs. Because the thing is, Everyone's got to do it at some stage. There's no big stigma around it. Mm, you should yeah. be you know, proud of yourself if anyone's listening that's doing one or two jobs to kind of get their dream happening. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, tell me about the book. You've, you've released a book in 2013 um, called Beautiful Minds. Is that right? It was actually Beautiful Minds, the book. It's, it's, so it's called Beautiful Minds and then the byline is uh, a journey of self-discovery for teenage girls. Beautiful. Tell me about that. What, what made you actually release it and what effect has it had? Oh, the book has been really special to me because it took five years to, to put it together and to do it. Wow. Uh, I am a bit of a perfectionist, so I kept rereading it and, and pulling out chapters and adding things in. But I really wanted something that was a positive read for young girls so that if they were having a bad day um, and they didn't have a support system around them, that they could pick up my book and feel that they had some some hope, some advice at their fingertips. And uh, it pretty much covers everything that we do in our classes. So it's everything from body issues, self-esteem, public speaking, drugs, alcohol, uh, relationships with mothers, you know, parents, um, makeup, skin, periods. I mean, you name it, it's got everything needs in there. Um, And it was, I think, quite special to me because I fell in love with an artist's work. His name's Jai Vesiak, and he, um, he lives in Port Douglas. And probably about Oh, eight years ago when I just started the business, I went to Kiss Pieces on my board, my sort of my goal board in the office. And I said, if I ever get this book together, I want him to illustrate it. And uh, and he did. He illustrated it. Oh, gosh. How did you go with the, the publishing side of it, getting that book ready and actually getting it out there? Um, what, was, what were the steps that you felt like you had to do? Did you actually have somebody help you? Did you just do it all yourself? Um, was it on Amazon when you launched it? Did you launch it on, with print? Talk us through that. So I landed up getting a publishing deal, which was fantastic. So I've got a publisher in the States um, and they're an arm of which is the Louise Hay House, so it's Hay House Publication. Oh, um, gosh, it, if that's if you want to get published, that's one place. <laughs> that's perfect. Well done. But you know what? There was so I was turned down so many times. I mean, I must have about, and I've kept them. I've got about twenty letters from publishing houses saying they weren't interested. Um, so I did it on my own. I mean, I got the book together. I had one, um, one sort of 
manual copy made up um, and then I just sort of sent it out everywhere and I think the thing the key is with publishing is with books is two things don't expect that you're going to make money from it it's there as a tool to see you as a, an expert in your field mm-hmm. um, you know book books are great but they, they're just you know they're not as popular as they used to be unfortunately but it does definitely give you credibility. And number two, don't get disappointed if, if you, you know, you get 20 or 25 no's. You just have to keep going because someone will find, if, if your book is, is, you know, worth salt, someone will, will, will find a, a space for it somewhere. Mm. I was uh, interviewing Jodie Fox from Shoes of Prey and um, she was talking about investors. I said, how many investors did you have to go through until you got one? And she said, let us put it this way, I had to kiss a lot of frogs. <laughs> And it sounds like exactly what you had to do with the with the publishing. About the the, the actual name, beautiful minds. How did because we, we we started like talking at the start of this interview about the you know business names. How did the word beautiful minds come about, and what made you use that? I'm so glad you asked me um, because it's it's another bizarre story. So I. I have got a very active mind and I, I battle to sleep. I, I often have, you know, chronic insomnia. Um, so I have a pen and a book near my bed just because if I wake up at two in the morning, which I, I did this morning, um, you know, and walk around with a glass of milk, you, I need to be able to write things down and get them out of my head. And um, I was living uh, in Queensland at the time. I'd just obviously um, been thinking about setting up the business. I hadn't actually resigned from the agency yet. And it was about 3 o'clock in the morning, and I remember rolling around and just kind of writing something on the pad. And the next morning when I woke up, I'd scribbled down beautiful minds. And it was, you know, it was funny because at a similar time, the movie A Beautiful Mind had come out with Russell Crowe, and it had nothing to do with that. I hadn't even seen the movie. Um, It (laughs) It was more to do with the fact that I was so sick of being stuck in an industry that focused on exterior beauty that I so desperately wanted these young girls to have the mind internally that they thought their face needed to look like externally. So tell me about the events that you have. Um, You've obviously got one coming up as well, I think, haven't you? Um, July school holidays, we've got one coming up. But tell me about the events and who is it right for? Look, we've got so much going on, which is wonderful, and this is where it's sort of grown over the years. We have a um, really amazing signature program that runs for two days, and we have the girls every day from 9 until 5. We run it in eight locations around Australia, but the July one's going to be in Sydney, um, in Double Bay, and the girls get to work with 10 of the most incredible educators, and we treat it very seriously like a mentoring program. So I don't have any more than 10 girls per course. Um, the girls all have access to all the educators' contact details, and it's really right for any girl aged 11 to 17, whether she wants to learn makeup, fashion, hair, whether she wants to go out to high tea and learn how you know to eat correctly and what social manners are all about, whether she needs to up her confidence, whether she wants to learn about how to communicate effectively with her parents. Anything that a girl wants to learn, it's appropriate for her. Mm. Now, you've just um, partnered with a big music label, <laughs> Sony Music, is that right? Oh, my goodness. Can I just tell you that that has been the absolute pinnacle for me? Mm. 
We have just partnered with Sony Music and it, it, it all came about because, you know, life is funny. I, I don't watch TV. I really don't. But one night it was raining. I turned on the TV and it was Sunday night and they had the um, Sunday night Channel 7 show. And I sort of stumbled across this this TV show about teens that were um, going through cancer and they didn't have any particular wards that were appropriate for them. So they were either being pushed into wards with really, really young um, kids or with with older people. And um, Sony have set up this incredible charity called the UCAN, and it's basically youth dealing with cancer. So I contacted them and I just said, look, I think that, you know, what we're doing with teens in the teen space and what you're doing to help teens with cancer is incredible. And I, I want to support your, your charity. I want to get involved. Um, so we've signed a deal with them where, you know, we su- support them from a charity angle and they actually get involved with our massive annual event that we have with uh, Girlfriend Magazine. So it's such a wonderful partnership because I just feel like I'm doing something in a space that is so important cancer for for for, for teens yeah, and yeah. uh it's i mean just i'm 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 overwhelmed i'm so excited about the collaboration it's mm. going to be amazing that that's oh my gosh that is and that's from hard work though it's like if if anyone's listening it's not that um marina is lucky and this has just landed on her lap it's she sees opportunity she sees the alignment and then she goes after it now i've looked at um your promotional video for your uh, beautiful minds girlfriend event and you have some great sponsors there so can you share with us how did you get those sponsors what was involved with you actually getting them on board you know, I've never, I've never, um, I've never been in the corporate space, and so you know, it sometimes terrifies me because it's such a different world. And I literally had to start with a list of my dream sponsors that I have up here in the office, um, people that I really feel that their brand resonates with the beautiful brand. And um, I made a list, and I just found out who the contact person was. I went onto LinkedIn, um, I stalked people. <laughs> And, you know, I phoned the company and I just cold called and said, who is the right person for this? And I set up appointments. And, you know, there's so many companies that I've gone into that have said no. So, again, it goes back to that. Don't be afraid if someone turns you down. Um, I've had situations where I've had to pitch to 20 men in a boardroom about an event that I'm passionate about for teenage girls. Um, and they haven't always seen my vision, but you've got to keep going. And we've managed to, you know, I've signed with Sony Music, Sony Mobile Phones, um, Fuji Film, and we're just about to sign off on another two huge, huge, um, you know, brands, which I'm really excited about. So it's just, it's, it's just going back to... Go, go at it again and again and again. And no just means no today. Mm. You are so spot on with that. And people are so scared of actually hearing the word no. Um, and, you know, it's always a no unless you actually try. So it will never be a yes unless you actually get out there and try. And when one person says no to you, there's still an opportunity of getting a yes. It might be a different angle. There's what's called the decision decider and decision decider means that it takes three to four times for some people to say yes, your customers to say yes. So I love that you said it's just a no today and it doesn't mean that the next person is going to be that no. There's an old school sales saying and it's get excited when you get a no because it means the yes is getting closer. And, and what about schools though? Are you getting into schools because this is what we needed when we were younger, what what's the impact now that you can do with a school in um, system? 
Well, you know, it's funny because I've never, ever targeted the schools. And I know that sounds a bit bizarre, but um, I've sort of always seen the schools quite separate from what we've done, which is probably in hindsight being, a, you know, a, a, something that I should have looked at a lot earlier. Schools are very difficult to, to penetrate because they have a very set curriculum and they don't want outside programs um, that are not credible to obviously go in there, which I understand. But we've just managed to um, to sign off on some incredible, we pretty much, Beautiful Minds pretty much runs seminars at all the top um, schools in the east and we're getting into some other great schools um, in Adelaide at the moment. We, I want to run as many educational seminars in schools Australia-wide. I will go to any school in Australia and talk to, to girls if I can. I think it's so important because one thing that I explain to the teachers now we're going is that if we can get the emotional side of girls right and we can get them happy and, you know, feeling so secure in who they are, their grades are going to increase. They will be better students for the school. It's a massive ripple effect and there's so much pressure today on the younger girls. You, The film clips, the the magazines, um, you know, it's, it's plastered everywhere. And because of social media these days, it's so much more accessible to look at these um, celebrities and I just see this external fixation on these young teenagers where they're 13 years old and they look like they're trying to be 30 um and the way that they're dressing as well like i sound so old but but it's the the impact i feel that is out there um currently because there's so much um visual stimulation because of social media it even puts more pressure on the girls would that be would you agree with that Oh, 100%. Look, I mean, next week we're running a number of seminars in schools across Sydney. Um, and the topic that they've all asked us to, to, to talk about or to, for me to talk about is sexting, pornography and text messaging. So it's – and we're talking to year six and seven students. What's sexting? Um, what did you say? Sex, sexting. Sexting, which is the sending of nude or semi-nude images of themselves onto another person. Oh. And it is absolutely at it's 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 such an epidemic at the moment. Um, they have statistically found that forty five percent of girls aged eleven to thirteen have sent a nude or semi nude photo to another boy. Wow! Yep. Oh my gosh! This is a world I just have no idea of. Wow! And sixty five percent of those boys that have received the image have then sent it on to someone else. And there's <laughs> Oh my gosh, that is huge. So what are you doing? You're actually going, you're, can you tell, repeat again what you're doing? That you're, you're speaking at schools about this or? We're speaking at schools. So we actually, I'm, I'm going in and running, um, you know, 60 minute presentations to, to girls, um, on the 16 epidemic and just the legal ramifications explaining to them the legal side of sexting because going back to your point about the media and social media and the images that they that they're seeing our girls are really heavily sexualized um so it's just addressing the sexting issue that is such a big problem in their world today 
So tell me what's next. Uh, what's the next movement? You've been working, you know, on building this this business slash movement, and I say it's a movement because it's really just trying to get everybody to think a certain way, and it's such a beautiful journey of self-discovery with, you know, building that self-esteem and confidence within these teenage girls. Um, what's next for Beautiful Minds? I have a very clear vision for the next five years and we are just taking all of our programs online so the girls can actually do the Beautiful Minds program in the, the comfort of their, their bedroom, which is fantastic. It also makes the program accessible to girls worldwide. So that's happening sort of the middle of this year. But my main focus is to actually grow the event that I started last year. So it's called the Beautiful Minds Girlfriend Event and it's a one-day event for teen girls aged 11 to 17. And it allows them to meet incredible celebrities, hear from inspirational guest speakers, you know, watch dance performance. It's like a very cool concert. Teenagers don't want to feel like they have a problem and they, want, they don't want to feel like they're being signed up to something because they are problematic. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. why I want to twist it is I want to create this incredible event, which I already have, but I want to grow it, um, so the girls can come to a concert that they feel is cool and aspirational and through that day we filter all the positive messaging of beautiful minds to them so we address all the teen issues but in a very cool fun way and what I want to do with that is grow to a national event because obviously all our partners girlfriend magazine is our media sponsor sony music sony mobile phone fujifilm they're all national big companies um, that would be more than happy for, for this to be uh, an annual event that's rolled out in Perth, Melbourne, Adelaide, Brisbane and Sydney. Mm-hmm. So what do you need to do to, to grow it and grow it fast and safely? I actually really want to find um, an incredible uh, investor mm-hmm. that I work with that's passionate about what, what we're doing um, and has big picture stuff. And I'm talking a thousand teenage girls in an auditorium. I want to be able to get to the stage where we have Katy Perry coming and, you know, just some really, really huge entertainers mixed in with, you know, Paralympians and some great business minds. I want to grow to something that is national and, and grand. And then Oh, you should be so proud of yourself, Marina. It's just so great just to have a good chat with you because we've always um, been on that speaker circuit, but we've never actually been able to connect and sit down. And I was saying to Debbie in her um, interview on Cashflow Candy, um, because she was in the same Girl Power group, that... I was actually six weeks pregnant on that tour, so I just wanted to keep going home and just curling up in a ball because I had not morning sickness but whole day sickness. Um, and it's just so beautiful just to hear your journey as an entrepreneur and just as a visionary as well. What, what would be a couple of tips or advice? So let's just say if you give your two best, hottest tips to entrepreneurs that are in the startup phase or perhaps like where you are now in that growth phase and really just about to excel into a bigger marketplace, what would be some pieces of advice you could share? Look, I think that you really need to, um, I think 
women particularly need to ensure that they charge what they're worth. You know, don't undersell yourself because this is such a big thing where if you don't have full confidence in what you're doing, you can often charge a lot less. And I think you need to value what you can offer the world because if you don't believe in it 150%, it will not work. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. And I think the second thing is really important to be financially in control of your own business. You know, don't just pass it on to an accountant. Really understand um, your, your, your cash flow, what's coming in, what's going out. Um, and be very prepared to make sacrifices because I cannot tell you over the nine years how many sacrifices I've made for, you know, not going overseas, not buying new clothes, just really down and making sure that if you start a business that you have a very healthy bank bis- bank balance for the business. Mm. It's, it's, it's quite interesting that um, when you're talking about the cash flow and watching what's coming in and out, and that's really important for anybody that is in the growth stage of your business. Your The, the startup phase, look, money is tight and you're trying to you know invest it in the areas that are most required. What happens is when you get to a stage where you've got continual money coming in and you're starting to get this confidence, um, the confidence kicks in sometimes too high. And what naturally happens in businesses is after, let's just say, if it's taken you about a year or two to get those funds to really start pumping through, the confidence then starts to um, eat into the cash flow. That type of business owner starts to get excited because they've got cash coming in and they're just starting to spend it. And that money needs to be reinvested back in their business to actually get to the next stage, which is that young adult growth stage, really starting to become a market leader. Um, And what you're saying is knowing your cash flow. And that's what's coming in and what's going out. And whenever you're working with your accountant, this is this is for that growth stage. Because it's so important to say, is my business business making profit? Because at the end of the day, we don't go in the business to break even. <laughs> as much as we want to um, create an impact out there, we've created a business because we want to make sure that it makes profit so we can have the lifestyle, have the freedom and make that impact that we want to be able to make. The cash that's coming into that business and the profit actually shows how much of an impact you really make. Um, so thank you so much for going over that because no one's actually given that tip and that's such a vital tip. Yeah, I think profit and loss is vital because, you know, it, anyone can buy themselves a job. But exactly as you said, you know, you work too hard when you set up your own thing. You want to make sure that you are making um, a, a, a great amount of money back. But but definitely profit and loss, know your finances, very important. Mm, beautiful. Um, Marina, it was so great to have you on this um, on this journey today of Cashflow Candy. And I tell you what, the, 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 the direction that we went was completely different. So what I thought I was going to be sharing with everybody um, on Beautiful Minds You've given such incredible business tips. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart in actually helping all the women out there on their journeys in entrepreneurship. It's been divine to chat to you. Thank you so much for your time. You're listening to Cashflow Candy. This is Annette Lackovich. And if you want to join me for more interviews and great sales and business advice, make sure you subscribe to my Cashflow Candy show. That way you get regular updates. Let's keep boosting your sales and building the business of your dreams.